Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaver Dam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagamaker. And Tyler, we are in episode eight on Lord's Day 8. 88 is my favorite number, and so I don't know if you knew that about I, me. I did not So know. this is a very special episode to me because it's eight and eight. Uh, well, there you go. Now, it's now it's you, like now your you know. golden, not golden birthday, but your golden catechism day. Yeah, perhaps. we'll go with that, maybe. Okay. Since there aren't 88, well, there aren't 88 Lord's Days, there we will get to no. question 88. There will be a question I, 88. I should have that one memorized now that I think of it, and I don't off the top of my head, so I'll have to <laughs> glance after this uh, and look at that. But Lord's Day 8, getting back on track, question and answer 24 is Which, where we begin. Yes, but it builds off of really where we left off last episode with question and answer 23, which just was a recitation of the Apostles' Creed. Right. As many of our churches do on a on a weekly basis, uh, in Coopersville, we like to uh, do say the Nicene Creed together about once a month, but the other Sundays will generally be confessing the Apostles' Creed together. And so that is what this catechism in this section is now going to be exploring and taking a deeper look at. And so in question 24, it asks, uh, how are these articles divided? And the answer is into three parts, God the Father and our creation, God the Son and our deliverance, and God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. Maybe it would be good to recite the creed again, just to refresh, since we do it every week and here we're in a new week with the podcast. Right. Well, let's go ahead and, and take a look at it. it. It says it's three parts. So the first is God the Father and our creation, and that section of the creed would be, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. There's not a lot that we're confessing there, but there are some principal things, and mm-hmm. specifically that God is our source, that we were created by him, that all things were created by him is part of our confession. Uh, the second, God, the Son, and our deliverance. That is the primary section of the Apostles' Creed. That's the, the biggest piece of, the, of it, has the most words attached to it. And of course, that's the section that where we confess, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Then the third part that is highlighted by question 24 here is God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. God the Holy Spirit and his work in our sanctification is how it summarizes this third section of the creed. The third section that goes, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe a holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
So those are the three sections mm-hmm. of the of the creed and and how it how the Heidelberg uh, very logically kind of calls us to to split them up and and consider them. Um, if you look at uh, the copy of the Catechism I have seen before me, uh, many of these Lord's Days, many of these questions and answers have uh, different Bible verses attached to them, and there are no Bible verses attached to question and answer 24. <laughs> so I don't know. What else is there for us to say about this question, Tyler? Is there... Boy, in many ways, it's its own sort of introduction into where the Catechism is going to go. I mean, the next question and answer is going to talk about the Trinity. So there's a lot in question and answer 25. I mean, that's a seminary course, honestly, just about the the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. And that's and, in question and answer And has anyone 25. ever gone wrong on the doctrine of the Trinity? Is there any way to go into error the, in that? The church has always nailed it. They've always been spot on with that. Perfect. And so that has been something that has worked really well in the life of the church. They've never gone astray in terms of understanding things. Never. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you go with with water, or you use the analogy of an apple or an egg, they all perfectly summarize everything that we know about the Trinity, right? Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> Clover leaves. Clover leaves. Um, all, all of that. All so. of them are, are perfect examples. There have never been a history of the Church really grappling through and making, stumbling their way early on through articulating the doctrine of the Trinity, for instance. So, right, right. Um, yeah. And and in case you can't pick up, we're being just a tiny bit sarcastic there, or or that, a lot, a lot sarcastic, a lot sarcastic, yes. a lot sarcastic. As this is something that, uh, yeah, seminary course, you know, uh, one course wouldn't even begin to scratch all of the history of the uh, churches and and um, different uh, gatherings where they have come together to wrestle through, and the the creeds that have laid this out as well. Uh, Think uh, and so, might as well begin and dive into it. Yes. Question twenty-five: Since there is but one God, why do you speak of three: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And the answer is because that is how God has revealed Himself in His Word. These three distinct persons are one, true, and eternal God. Hmm. All right, Tyler, which is it? One or three? <laughs> well, it is three persons, one God. And so, yes, it is one God, three persons. And that is what we what we see. Yep, not three gods. Right. So, and not and not one God to the exclusion of but just to say one person. Right. Um, in many ways then we would be for instance Muslims. Mm-hmm. And we would not be Christians. Right. Question answer 25 really sets us apart from the other religions of the world, for sure. The major religions right. of the world, which the do not other confess. Abrahamic religions. Yeah, even some of the Abrahamic ones. Right. So Judaism that, does yep. not cannot confess question answer 25. Islam, Islam. cannot con- confess question answer 25. So question answer 25 is really a, a seismic sort of question and answer because it deals with something that that really separates billions of people from each other. I mean, the Christian faith, which is over a billion professors who subscribe to the Apostles' Creed, 
and from billions of others who do not. There yep. is a lot of consequence to question answer 25. Right, right. And yeah, the, like we started off talking about, there's been a lot of discussion through the years. Um, you know, the uh, Apostles' Creed that we're looking at uh, goes ahead and splits it up into three uh, sections dealing with the three persons of God. Uh, but the Apostles and the Nicene Creed that I mentioned early aren't the only creeds that we have. Right. Uh, the, the Athanasian Creed is a wonderful, rich creed. Sadly, it's not known too much in our churches, although I know in the Christian Reformed Church, to which we belong, it is one of our three creeds that we confess, that we say we believe. I wish in many ways it was regularly also recited in our churches. It's longer right. than it's, the Apostles' it's, Creed. It's longer, and then 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 you're going to miss lunch if you're reciting the whole creed all the time. That's, that's right. <laughs> but there's so much richness there. I mean, the, the, the recitation of things, for instance, it talks about the you know, what quality the Father has, the Son has, and the Holy Spirit has. The Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, the Holy Spirit is uncreated. And then it talks about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit being immeasurable, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit being eternal. And yet it says, and yet there are not three eternal beings, there is but one eternal being. So there are not three uncreated or immeasurable beings, there is but one uncreated and immeasurable being. And then it goes on further. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit are almighty, but it says there are not three almighty beings, there's but one almighty being. This kind of rhythm that it gets in. The Father is God, Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, yet there are not three gods, there is but one God. The Father is Lord, Son is Lord, Holy Spirit is Lord, yet there are not three lords, there is but one Lord. And this rhythm is really a powerful rhythm of the Athanasian Creed. It's a beautiful creed. I wish we would be more familiar with it because it does... Just simply the rhythm of it helps us develop the language that we have Christians have painstakingly over hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Said this is how we understand from Scripture who God is. Absolutely. How he reveals himself in Scripture. Right. And yeah. so even like the word person, there that's very intentional, mm -hmm. um, for instance. Yep. And, yeah. In, in, in last year, I did uh, at Coopersville... Uh, we did have the opportunity to preach through the Athanasian Creed for the first time, and so I did a, I don't remember, eight to 12-week series walking hmm. through, Wonderful. wrestling with it. And so so it was helpful, and it's, in, it's, it's good and healthy for us to do, but it is not something that we spend regularly spend a lot of time on historically and, and maybe need to do more. Uh, it, is, it is set out to give us the, the basics, kind of the, the framework. Uh, one way I like hearing about it is... This is the fence posts of orthodoxy. They're speaking of the Trinity. It's hard for us to do so in such a way that we can pin it down and with our finite minds say, well, that's exactly what it is. And so it's too great and too broad for that. But there's also lots of ways for us to go outside of the bounds mm. of orthodoxy and start speaking about God and declaring things that are not in line with his word. And so the Athanasian Creed kind of helpful, helpfully gives us the, the fence posts. Hey, this is what we can say. This is inside the bounds. This is outside the bounds. This is things that we can say that God's word has revealed about who he is. And these would be things that would be outside of those bounds. So me praying to Mother God, God... Uh, our mother in heaven, 
that would be outside the bounds, Lloyd? That would be outside the bounds. There are there are supposed Christians who who refer to Mother God and God the Mother. What do we do with that, Lloyd? Well, uh, when they do so, they're not using the uh, the the names and the pronouns that God has given Himself and <laughs> revealed in His Word, and how He has in His Word declared for His people to 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 receive Him. Uh, you know, I think about it. There was a number of years ago. I, I I don't see it as much anymore, but for for a while, these things always go through through phases. Uh, there was a bumper sticker that was kind of popular around town that had the declaration, God is green. God is green. Have you seen that bumper sticker around, Tyler? I, I, I have not seen that bumper sticker. It, it must be north of the river, north of the Grand uh, River oh, in the Coopersville area, uh, okay. I-96 corridor up there. Y- so. Yeah, no. We have much no. much greater orthodoxy the south side of the river, <laughs> than, I'm thinking. Than, than yes. God is green. Yes. And, you know, there are lots of ways that you could take a statement like God is green and and say, okay, how does that match up with Scripture? I mean, even in question 24, we spoke of God the Father as our creator. And so if we're looking at creation, there's lots of green things that God has made in creation. The It's all covered in white snow in uh, West Michigan this time of year, but but there would normally be. We know under the snow there's grass that someday will turn green once again, and uh, these trees that are all dormant, they will be green once again. Uh, We're not going to say God is white. That gets into very... We will get ourselves canceled. Yes, I think we would. So we're very selective, maybe with the green, the green movement. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so yeah, there's, uh, and this tie of God is green is uh, related to, uh, you know, scripture and and our call to creation care. Um, But is that how God has revealed himself? In his word is the question. Mm, as he yeah. said, I am the green God. Call on me as the green God. Not the not 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 the not the chartreuse or purple, not not the not the lavender or the navy blue, but I'm the green god. No, that is not what we have seen in his word of how he is called on us or or the words that he has given us to address him. We by. should speak. We should refer to God and speak of God how he teaches us to refer to him and speak of him, which is why it's important to have knowledge of God's word and why we need to be rooted in scripture. And rather than coming up with our own sorts of ways, which even with good intentions can down the road especially lead God's people astray and lead us into really bad theology and doctrine, right? Uh, the application of that, morality even. Right, living living these things out and Correct. and fulfilling you know, it's it's an easy enough, a simple enough statement that one makes offhanded or something like that. But if it becomes a, if it becomes a part of our creed, a part of our thinking of who God is, we can get far off track from who He has revealed Himself to be. Well, and that's that's all the heart of, of real relationships too. To have a real relationship with someone is to know them and to take them as they are and understand them. To have a relationship with God, we don't get to make him in our own image or what we would like him to be. That's not a real relationship. That's a fake relationship. Maybe that's a a, a virtual relationship (laughs) rather than actual an actual real relationship. So you're going to know someone. I, you know, Lloyd, you know your wife. You know, it, to have a relationship with her. How many years have you been married now, Lloyd? Oh, that's the trick question you shouldn't have asked me. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
we're going on at least 17 years in May. So, okay. 17 years in May. Okay, so, that's wonderful. So, so that's you know when you got married, you know the place you got married, you know uh, about Christina and her life and if I for instance ask you okay, what are what are Christina's eye what's her eye color? Yeah. Her, her eye color is brown. Okay, it's brown. And so I know her favorite number is four, not eight. Okay. (laughs) See, so you know things because you have a real relationship with her. You raise children together. You live life together. You've been on adventures together. That's what a real relationship is, is you know about the person. And and so if, let's say, you know, I think about some of, if someone asked one of my brothers, you know, a question about, you know, Tyler, did he ever deliver the newspaper at Grand Rapids Press. I trust that my brothers would be able to say, yes, he did it for quite a number of years, for four years. But if they're like, no, my sister did it instead, I'd be like, were you actually my brother? Um, we lived in the same house. They they would know the answer to these sorts of things because they were in a relationship. We lived together. We spent time together. This Lord's Day 8, in many ways, is just saying, no, God know who he is as a person, because it speaks about that he is three distinct persons. There's a, there are personalities. There, there is substance to God of who he is and how he relates not only to himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but therefore then how we relate to him. So we have to know about him in order to have an actual real relationship with him. That's right. one of the problems that we're finding in, in Christendom, increasingly in Western Christendom, is that it's like it's a mile wide, but it's an inch deep. It's, it's, it's hardly there. We are finding that many people are not able to articulate even the Christian faith. Something as basic, for instance, and important as the Apostles' Creed. How many Christians nowadays can say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. And who, who could be able to just articulate the Christian faith in a basic way? Right, right. I mean, it's not just being able to recite a certain uh, level of words, but can they can they can they say it in their own words? What does this mean? These words that they're saying do they have do they have a, a biblical understanding that uh, illuminates that what they are confessing that that sits behind these declarations that they are making? Well, their own words, up to a point, though, Lloyd. I would say because their own words, they might say, "Well, God is a mother to me." So I'm going to refer to God as mother. Right. So they still have to, we still, it has to be personal, but we have to take the person as they are right. and how they teach us. Right. And, and sometimes we get things wrong. Sometimes we don't fully understand a person, but that's why it's important to be in God's word and to sit under good preaching, for instance, solid preaching, because then we're conformed more into the, the knowledge. We grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. And so we learn to use good words. So sometimes when we're little, we don't always accurately describe things, but that's where we grow. And as long as as Christians, we keep growing, and that's part of that process of sanctification that the Holy Spirit does his work at, as we saw in the previous question and answer. Right, right. And so there's all these pieces that need to continually be and, 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 and so forth. Uh, yeah, and it, it, and where does the catechism say this is going to come from? It's because of how God has revealed Himself in His Word. Uh, you know, thinking of uh, Moses and when he was first uh, meeting God at the the burning bush, uh, the question he had for God is, you know, all right, you're sending me on this mission, you're sending me to 
your people and go tell them, but who do I say you are? How do I uh, describe what it is I'm seeing mm, here? Mm. And what words do I use? To, do, I, do I call you not the green god, but the, the burning bush god? Is that the <laughs> name that I'm to give you? <laughs> because that's what I see in front of me. And, 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 and God says, no, that's not how you refer to me. It is I am. That is who you call me. You recognize that, that the I am has sent you. And this is what we see, God, how we see God revealing himself in his word. Yeah, I think of like Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, the well-known one, the Shema, you know, but, um, it speaks about the Lord being who he is, and that, uh, but that he is one. And so that there's one God, he's one. So we, we understand that there is one God. There's not three gods. God defines himself. I mean, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 14 is a wonderful way where the Apostle Paul talks about who God is and the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and, and yet the name of God the Father is brought in here, the, um, of God the Son, and at the end of that, God the Holy Spirit and this interplay between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how they work together to bring about who we are as God's people, that this is, even though there are three distinct persons, and yet they're always consistently always on the same page. There's never independent wills. It's not like the Father wants to do one thing and the Son is like, oh, I think we should do this in this direction instead. There's not any disagreement among these three persons because they're one God, you see it played out in creation. Um, yes, God, God the Father spoke, but Jesus Christ, God the Son, was the Word. God the Holy Spirit was the Spirit that hovered above the deep. And so they were together as three persons, but one God in the act of creation. It comes that with salvation. Yes, Jesus Christ took upon himself our flesh, but God the Father sent him and called him and and God, the Holy Spirit, also was equipping him and empowering him, and it was the, the the power of the Spirit that raised him from the dead. And so, and then there's also you know, talks about the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. There's the gathering of the church, and we think about this: the age of the the Holy Spirit, but it's the Spirit who was sent by Jesus Christ, and it was the Father who also sent. You know, we we confess that the. The Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. There is this interplay, this kind of this dance that takes place between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they are in concert on everything as they relate to each other right. in perfect unity. And and that's because it's really just one God, and at some times it appears as one person, and at other times it appears as a different person, and then sometimes it appears as a third person, right? Is that how it works, that there's three persons and it's the one God, but he's just puts on the father mask for a time or puts on, takes that off and puts on the son mask for a time? Uh, if, if we're good modalists, ah, uh, which is another heresy, oh, we're good modalists, that's exactly okay. what it is. So we need to be talking to the elders at Coopersville <laughs> to keep a closer eye on you if you're espousing modalism. <laughs> Here, right? Yes. No, it is. It's one God, but it's three distinct persons. It's not one God showing up as the different persons at different times. That is not what we see revealed in Scripture. It is three separate persons, and it's how God has revealed them to uh, Himself to us. Yeah, it, Ephesians chapter four, verses three through seven. You get um, an example, for instance, where 
the Apostle Paul is, is talking about the Holy Spirit, and then he's talking about uh, Jesus Christ. I'll just read it. Um, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And uh, so we get an expression, for instance, of there, you see the three persons and yet one God, this articulation of the doctrine of the Trinity there in Ephesians chapter 4 by the Apostle Paul, who's moved by the Holy Spirit. And, and, that's, and that's what God's Word has given us. And so the, the call on the Christian is not to understand and be able to explain all of the intricacies of the mm, Trinity. True, true. The call on the Christian is this is part of what, going back to last Lord's Day, this is part of the, the substance that makes up true faith. This is what we're called on to believe, what we're called on to live out in our convictions, what we're called on to have an assurance in and rest in, these truths that we serve one God, and he's revealed himself in three persons, and he is active in his world and active in his, the lives of his people and as he works all things together for their good and his glory. And it makes a difference in terms of not only doctrine and theology. Sometimes people can say, oh, doctrine's dead, it's dry. First of all, I don't know how you say that when you're talking about a relationship with God, because is that a dry thing? Should we not really know who God is? We should, but enable to be able under, to be able to better understand who we are as persons, personhood. We have a huge debate and disagreement in our culture right now in the United States and Canada and many other places too about even what a person is. Who gets to define personhood? Uh, does God get to define? Is, is personhood in relationship to God? That's how God defines his personhood. He's in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to each other. They aren't independent of each other. They don't kind of define themselves. It's always in relationship to each other, and you see that in Scripture. But that's how we ought to define personhood as well, Lloyd. And we can only understand what a person is in relationship to God. I know here, you know, it's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday coming up in many places here in the United States— and we remember personhood. Does does a mother get to define if that child in the womb is a person or not? Is she the determiner of what personhood? Does a government get to define what a person is? Um, whether you know you reach a certain age at of, of elderliness and no, you're not really a, a person anymore, or you know a type of a Nazi regime that a whole class of people are no longer persons, are kind of sub-persons. Yeah, I was um, going to say, is there any way it could go wrong with the government deciding who a person is? Well, yeah, <laughs> even in our own nation's history, you know, yeah. three-fifths of a vote, which is like right. three-fifths of a person. And th this utter nonsense, we have to be able to define personhood in relationship to God. That's the only way you can ultimately define personhood. So we need to start first with God. And that's one of the, the ploys of the evil one. He's taken God out of the context so much, even in our public life, of, of talking about God, that now we get a culture that, doesn't, that isn't able to even define what a person is anymore. And so randomly, we'll just kill persons in a womb, for instance, to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of thousands every single year. It's a travesty. It's, it's a great wickedness and evil, but a lot of it goes because we have lost sight as a culture even of who God is as a person. Right. And, and so we've lost sight, we've lost our way to who, therefore, we are as persons. Right. If we don't recognize him whose image we bear, then we won't recognize Correct. that image 
and value it in the lives of others and our even our closest neighbors. We can ignore it because, yeah, what difference does it make if we're not image bearers of his? Very true. Well, Tyler, uh, I think that about wraps up okay. what we have to say on Lord's Day 8, uh, diving into uh, opening up kind of the Trinity. And in future Lord's Days, uh, the, the next few questions and answers, we're going to begin to explore this creed further. Uh, in yeah. God in the depth. Father. We get to talk about God the Father. We will look next more in couple depth. couple Lord's Days. Yep. And, and we will continue through the creed from there. So... I'm looking forward to continuing to explore who God is and how he has revealed himself in his word, because that is our foundation uh, for all of our lives. So we'll pick it up next time. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms Podcast, walking the good and trusted old paths together.